guys, Bella here. <laughs> Welcome for the bonfire. Hey guys, Hide and Seek is now on Patreon. If you'd like to learn how to support the work we do, please visit www.patreon.com backslash hide and seek podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive rewards. Rewards include live events, early access to video trailers, ad-free episodes, never-before-seen videos, behind-the-scenes video and photo content, along with extended and never-before-heard interviews. My team and I would be honored to have you. Again, visit patreon.com backslash hide-and-seek-podcast. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Hide and Seek podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or positions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Would you like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community? Would you like to share your thoughts with other listeners? Join us in the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Material heard on the Hide and Seek Podcast is intended for adult listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24 Hour News Aid's Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty fucked. They're pretty freaking gruesome. I kept all the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany, I have all of them. I have everything. I told him, I said, I'd kill all them motherfuckers and I was gonna have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Cause this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that. Cause eventually everything comes out. Some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she's in slow. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3, Part 3. The final chapter. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, in our last episode, we laid out plans for our fourth trip back to Sturgis. Trip four took place in June of 2023. Day two of trip four started off by visiting the property where Skylar, from episode 40, said Brittany was held. We searched the property, did some digging in various areas, and brought in the GPR guys to scan the backyard and areas of interest. At the end of the day, despite our thorough efforts, no conclusive evidence was found linking this location to Brittany's disappearance. 
en route to another stop. I received an intriguing message from Kimmy, JJ's girlfriend. Well, the profile says you're in town, and so I told you I would be back. Throughout the trip, he continued to agree to meet. In the heat of the early summer, we revisited the property where the homeowner saw Eric emerge from the woods. The day goes down quickly when I had an allergic reaction and had to go to the hospital. I was treated and released, and against my wishes, we didn't return to the property that day. But when I do return, we're geared up and ready. Despite my confidence, I realize the property is large and that we'd never complete it in a day. So we do what we can and make plans with the owner to discuss further efforts. We took time to visit the cemetery we visited in 2022. Remember, I received a tip about the property and did a GPR, but we were also brought there by the findings of the forensic archeologist in the search and rescue team. Detective Otten assured me that the anomaly they all alerted us to was checked out. His response was that they got out there, did a dig, and found nothing. But according to the sextons who keep this cemetery, law enforcement never came out to dig anything up. So this time around, we did our own digging. After Mike and Sean did another GPR, we checked out a couple of areas at Mike's suggestion and didn't find anything of interest. But now, we can cross this off our list. As a side note, none of these are dead ends really. Chasing things down is what we do. It's what we have time to do that others don't. It's what law enforcement often can't afford to do because they're working countless cases and we're concentrating on one. It's the only way to narrow things down and get to the truth. Commonly referred to as the teen's house, the house Brittany visited after she visited the elderly man is a ranch style, single level dwelling that I've had the opportunity to visit multiple times. During my last visit to Sturgis, I stopped by accompanied by the crew so we could tour the property and get a sense of what the teen may have seen the night Brittany disappeared. I called Heather, the mother of the teen, to let her know I was on my way. Hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm good, I am uh, on my way out right now. As I pull into the driveway, the garage door is open and I see a back entrance door. That's what I thought right there. That door right there. I've always known it's there. But it's always surreal being here, knowing that this was Brittany's last stop. Give me a second. Yeah, well, let me just greet her first. I feel like sometimes Ethan forgets the power that he holds. Not everyone's comfortable when you pull out a camera. The house features a short driveway and an attached garage on its right side. How are you guys? Walk with me. Battery fill. Your battery fill. Okay, so she said she sees or sees Brittany here. From this angle. Yeah, from this angle right here. So where was the other? Where did that come from the front door? Again, Jessica refuses to sit on the sideline. She joins us as we trace Brittany's last steps. Shoes off. Okay. Upon entering through the front door, Hi. you find yourself in the living room. Hi. This is uh -oh. my boyfriend, Jesse. Jesse? Hey, how you doing, Jess? Adjacent to the living room is a bedroom on the right and another bedroom on the left. 
The living room offers a large unobstructed view of the front yard and driveway via a large picture window on the right side of the front door. I'm just curious, where was he at when he heard the knock, when he said he heard oh, it? Oh, when he was in the kitchen, sorry. So he, no, you're fine. You're fine. So <laughs> he he's here. Okay. And he says he hears her, hears steps, but he also hears the knock at the same right. time. At the back of the house is the kitchen with the window to the pasture out back in a dining room, which has a sliding glass door leading to a deck. I can't help myself. I ask if I can look around. Oh, yeah, you could go left. From the deck, a set of stairs lies straight ahead of the sliding glass door, approximately 12 feet. This set of stairs grants you access to a pasture. Additionally, a smaller stairway is located to the right of the sliding glass door, hugging the side of the house and sitting under the kitchen window. Can you uh, see me from standing right there in the kitchen where Shane's at, I guess? I'm curious while I'm here. Could they see me walk down the steps? while exiting to the right of the porch from the kitchen window. Yes. I make my way around the house while the crew stays inside. He watches her. <clears throat> and this is one of those moments where I fucked up. I didn't realize what I was doing was, was exactly what had happened to her daughter. That was insensitive. I apologize. Did I need to show you this? No. But I think it's good. I think it's healthy. I'll learn from it. So he does see her walk probably all the way because you could watch her from here to here, that, even that back window over here by the washer, I guess, that, if he was standing here. I'm currently standing in the kitchen because he hears. I point to the back porch. And he sees her walk. I gesture towards the kitchen window. Walk, and he hears. I point at the front door. So the knock, he knows it's a two-person two then. Well, he didn't, as far as I know, he's, he never saw her back here. He, he heard the noise back here, and then he ran to right where the closet right. is. Yeah, yeah, because then no one could see him. <clears throat> yeah, so he never see. saw her back here. See, it says in the yeah. case file, it does. Right. Nope. That I know. Because he never saw her until he looked out the bedroom window, and that's when he saw her. You can't make eye contact with anybody here. Mm -mm. No, he, just, he was in the kitchen when he heard the noise, which made him run to that little pause right there, because if you're standing right there, nobody can see you in any window. And that's when he looked out the bedroom window and then saw her coming and that's around. That's what he told me, too. Yes. Like, he was like, yeah. I, I've seen her in my, my mom's bedroom window. Yes. Yep. Can you, I gotta look yeah. right there? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Because he was, he was here, and I'm sure he didn't duck out, but then he said he saw her right out this way. And, then right and that's when she was coming around here. And she said she looked right at him. So, or he, or said, he said, he said, he said yeah. Do you remember if he says she's like peering into inside, or is she just standing there looking at him? Um, she, well, she was looking in because he asked me. I remember he goes, do you yeah. think she saw me? And I was like, I, don't, I mean, she was, not when you look in the dark. You usually can't see. I don't yeah. know. So then he hides in here. He was just squatting here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He was just squatting, just to kind of stay out of the windows. That's where he made. Is that the same door that's always been there? Yep. Yep. I'm trying to make sense of this. Okay. And Heather could see me wrestling okay. with my thoughts. I only have one thing I wanted to know, and that was, could he have confused the knock at all between these? 
You're not gonna mistake that. No, you're not. It's different than this. Yeah. He must have came from back there. Mystery man? One more time, I just look one more one more thing. Sorry. I head to the back of the yard, to the pasture, to scope out the back view of the property. Something I've always struggled with, and I'm trying to make sense of this. Why didn't Brittany make more of a presence when she was on the back porch? Why didn't she knock she on the door? Right here. She's not screaming for help. So I don't think she thinks she's here. I think he hid. And if she makes eye contact with him, and she knows, if she knows he's right here, I think she would have screamed. Just something. Make, that makes the most sense, dude. That makes the most sense. Why wouldn't she choose just to go back to John's? The next option you have are those houses. I point south towards Watt Road. And it's towards Grandma's. Where else is she gonna go? I've shared all I know about what went on at the teenager's house. I find myself quite perplexed and torn by the range of possible scenarios that we need to consider to uncover the truth. One of the key questions, was the event planned in advance? And how does that shape your view of the events that unfolded at the teenager's house? So I pose the question to you. What do you think happened? Offer your best guess based on your current knowledge. However, before you unveil your theory, I want to go over the details of the scene. Listening to my first-hand account of walking through the house is one thing, but I also intend to provide a more thorough explanation of what we've observed. To that end, I've asked Sarah to review the footage with me and share her insights. So we're going to break down the uh, property for the teenager. I've visited the property many times, but I haven't had a, ever had a chance to go inside. One of the first yeah. things that I'm looking at as we're approaching the house is I've always wondered what is the visibility like for the entrances from the back door and the front door. The living room has a, two large windows. And as we've explained already, once you go inside the house, then you walk right into the living room, proceed to go straight. There's a kitchen or it's more of like the dining room and then to the right, it's the kitchen. But instead of taking a right to go into the kitchen, if you continue to go straight, there's a large glass sliding door there. If you're walking by, let's say the living room windows at night and you're on the outside and you stop and you glance right through, you're looking straight through the dining room table and into the back, the glass sliding doors. Is it possible that the mystery man was walking past the living room windows outside and glances inside and sees Brittany? Vice versa, could Brittany have been on the backside and seen the male? This is really hard to picture because and my first reaction when you ask if somebody in the front meaning the living room windows is that somebody at night on the outside looking into the house from that window yes i think they can see the slider but i don't think that they could see somebody on the outside of that slider unless that person on the outside of that slider had their face pressed up against the glass because what I think they would actually see because there's lights on in the house and there is a light fixture right in front of the slider door 
hanging from the ceiling. I think what they would actually see is the reflection of the furniture, you know, a blurry reflection of the furniture reflecting off that glass. I don't think that they would see somebody on the outside. If we look at it opposite from somebody on the deck looking in across to the picture window in the living room, I kind of feel like it may be the same, but I think there may be less of a reflection because I don't see a light fixture in front of that large picture window. Oh, that's actually a great shot right there. So I I think that confirms for me, if it's dark out, what they're seeing is the reflection from light and, you know, whatever is in the house. I don't think they're seeing somebody unless that somebody has their face pressed up against the glass. If the porch light is on, does that mm, factor outside in? Outside lights, yeah. Um, how much is that going to factor in, right? The way that the case file has been written... I made contact with the teenager on 12-16-18 at approximately 13-16 hours by telephone. The teenager advised he was home alone and in the kitchen of his residence when he heard a knock at the front door. At the same time, he heard footsteps on the back deck of the residence. The teenager was scared, so he ran and hid in the house and called his mother. While speaking with his mother, the teenager asked to see if there was a car out in the driveway, and as he quickly looked out the window, he saw a white female walking from the backyard to the front. While the teenager was watching, the woman walked around as another subject was knocking on the front door still. I asked if the teenager saw the other person, and he said he did not. The teenager described the female as having dark hair, wearing a big green coat, and black pants. He said she was acting really strange and I think she saw the teenager as there was a light on inside the house and the teenager made eye contact with her. The teenager was still very scared so he quickly hid below window level and waited until a friend his mom called came to the house. He goes from kitchen, dining room, living room. Now he doesn't actually go all the way into mom's bedroom. He actually stays in between the hallway where there's a closet and he can hide behind this wall identical to the living room windows as you said picture windows the mom has the identical type of style windows on her side he's standing between this wall out of view from both windows that's when he contacts his mom as the case file says gets startled and he's concerned and he hears footsteps on the back of his porch if he hears the footsteps but he doesn't see the individual, he's probably standing in a position where it's more closer to the stove, If as you, you know what the visual looks like, but that's further into the kitchen. No angle of seeing the living room windows, so he can't see anybody approaching the front door. And with Brittany being five foot one, maybe that's why he can't see her at the angle that yeah. he's standing at. Yeah, He doesn't stay there long enough, though, to, to see her or observe, but he takes off to the bedroom and he hides. We've always wondered what the knock and the footsteps, how close were they in happening? I think it would be fair to say that what spooked to thinking that there are more than one person there was that this knock and the footsteps were almost simultaneously happening. 
do you think there's possibility for this being just Brittany or are you past that? So the other day when we were discussing this, our thought was that the teen heard, you know, some kind of commotion in the back on the deck. And then moments later, here's a knock on the on the um, front door front door. And at that time, I really had myself convinced that I changed my mind. Pause for a second, because I think that's like the part of this process that I really enjoy and appreciate is that we're not stuck. Right. It's not like it's we're, we're dead set on something like, oh, maybe we have that wrong. And I appreciate that about working through that with you. And because I, I felt like the same thing, like maybe maybe it was just Brittany. Maybe the knock yeah. and the footsteps weren't as close as we think they are. Maybe the knock came first. She mm-hmm. makes her way to the back very quickly on the short end of the, of the house. He hears the footsteps thinking they're close enough in timing. And so then he runs to the bedroom and then she comes, Brittany comes back to the front. It was Brittany the entire time. Yeah. Everything that we're reading and hearing again, it's like this is happening simultaneously. When we went back tonight as we're preparing for this and we read back the case file, then I'm back to it being two people. And now I feel much more certain that it's two people after going back to the case file and hearing this. But I have to say, like you mentioned, it's very difficult for us to differentiate between what was actually the teen's words and what is inferred by the the officer taking the report, because that's very, very difficult for me to distinguish in this report. They are supposed to write down just what they are told, but that doesn't always happen. So if we go with the thought that everything in this report is what the teen says, and that is sort of verbatim, then... I am solid that it's two people. There really is no other way for it to happen unless they're the way he says and the way that it's in the report, unless there is two people. Don't you agree? To me, what spooks the teenager is it's what makes him feel there's more than one person here. You know, I tried to think, okay, if he just heard the footsteps only, would that spook him enough? Who the hell is in my backyard? Again, it's almost like an inva- like they're invading your privacy. This isn't knocking at the front door. They came to the back. And so would that have been enough to spook him and then for him to run around and then there'd be a knock at the front door? Could that have been Brittany? Like it, it, it doesn't seem like that would have been enough for him to think that there were two people. He's scared shitless. There's, you know, more to this than what the listeners have heard, but it is very evident to me, knowing everything that you and I know, this really scared him. And I think you're correct with the assumption that once he realizes that it's two people, that really spooks him. I have to think back, like, living in the country... At 17, 16, 15, whatever you want to say, when I was home alone and somebody knocked on the door, I would immediately leave the area and hide. And 
I think some of that is just human nature at that age, past experiences and whatever. But I think the fact that he realizes pretty concretely that this is two people, I think that instantly sends like a bad message, like something is not right here. The next question I have is, well, well, I want you to answer my question first. If it was one? one person, would you have reacted differently? Yeah. Would you? Yeah. So your your reaction from one person to two person, what is different? I hear one. I'm curious. If I hear two, two changes it for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, I'm still one person. I'm still concerned. Yes. Yeah. On all testimonies. Mm-hmm. The teenager doesn't see Brittany on the back steps or on the porch. Yeah. And like we've I've shown you in the video, there's a wood deck on the back. If Brittany's five one, from where he's standing, Miss the, the teenager in the kitchen, it's very possible he didn't see Brittany walking up or down the steps. By going to the back of John's house, makes sense why she went to the back of the teenager's house which would then say that's mystery man knocking on the front door. If that's happening at the same time, is it because Brittany's working with them or is Brittany aware or not aware? Is mystery man aware or not aware that either one of you are on the opposite side of the house? So if they are aware of one another here, and this is like a tag team thing, they're working together, whatever, she would not have taken her shoes off. In 32-degree weather. You know, does he just arrive to the kid's house when he's on his way back to Fawn River Road and they cross paths the way that they do? You know, is that possible? I would say it's not, like, out of reach. If we go with the scenario that this this second person is someone, um, you know, chasing her or stalking her let's say and he sees where she you know comes across the road maybe or where wherever he sees her it would be almost silly of us to think that he wouldn't end up at that property at the same time as her what i struggle still to understand is why he would have made an attempt at knocking at the door I understand why she would if she's looking for help, if she's looking for assistance, shelter, but I struggle to understand why he would have. If they open that that door and he gets one look at that guy, anything that happens to Brittany, you're ID'd. Yes. All it took was the kid to open up the door and you're banking that he's not? You see how challenging and difficult this is some, Like to work through this? It's if he went to the house... And he goes to the front door and he knocks and he doesn't know Brittany's in the back. Why else would he do that? Again, you're willing to risk being seen. You were just seen at grandma's too. The actual time that the teenager sees Brittany is when uh, by this time he has his mom on the phone because what she asks him to do next is what allows him to see Brittany. And this is the last time that she's seen. So time that in. He gets scared. He has to pull his phone out, dial, ringing. Once he gets his mom on the phone, he explains what's going on. She tells him to look outside and see if there's a car there. 
he says he w- watches her walk around the house and that's when he makes eye contact with her. And she's like, no, he never saw her back here. When you interpret what someone's writing and what what was actually said becomes very challenging. Yeah. So he actually never sees her in the back from what the consistency behind all the testimonies. The first time he sees her is from the bedroom windows. Right. Why do you think he says he watches her walk around the house? Do you think this is because he's assuming, well, that must have been her in the back? Having heard whatever he heard on the on the deck, the, the footsteps, whatever, and then seeing her come around. Listen, I'm saying it. I just said it, right? Because that's how you describe that. I know that he can't see through the end of the house, but I just said it. I just said it, and I know that that didn't happen. We know that that can't happen. So I think, yes, what it is is an assumption, and the way he phrases it to get the point across that she came from the left and came to the right, towards the right, the natural thought there is that she came around and ends up by that window. What does the mystery man do from there? With the film that we took, if you were to go around the left side of the house, it's the shorter end. And there's a, I don't know what kind of bush that is. Does he hide behind that? I do think that, yes, he's someplace in this area. I don't think he's using the burning bush as... um, Cover. A cover because it's December, December, you know, November, December, and there's nothing really on it. So I don't think that he's using that as cover. But at this end of the house, there is a door that goes into the basement. And so there are a couple options here in my mind. Number one, I'm thinking, does he come down here and try this door? See if it's open. Great place to hide. And even just simply coming around the corner of, of that of the house and standing on the corner she's she's not gonna see him i think she's out of breath she is scared she's panicking and what happens to your breath when that starts hitting your body you can't control your breathing it's loud if the teen heard her on the deck in the house i think it's likely he may have heard her feet bare feet on the deck and I think that he may have heard her coming across the front of the house because we discussed this earlier. There is no walkway there. The grass is frozen. It's crunchy. And I think he may have heard her. Just because her phone wasn't working at John's doesn't mean that she, does, she doesn't attempt to continue to make phone calls. Yeah. Old phones light up. If the teenager hears the footsteps... Brittany's a hundred pounds, like a hundred and, and, and what, 10 pounds? 105 pounds. And like I said, she's got bare feet, bone on, on that, on that wood of the deck. You have no padding between your feet like you would when you have shoes on. Why don't you think Brittany continues to proceed with making contact from the back? The scenario that I have discussed with you for a long time, that she sees the teen And she knows that she has startled him. And she can see that he turns to go away from the slider. He turns and goes towards the living room to go to mom's room or the, you know, the hallway between mom's room and hide uh, in the living room and hide. 
And when I put myself in Brittany's position, if I see him turn and go towards the other side of the house, I'm going to follow him that way too. And I'm going to go in the same direction that he's going if I'm looking to get help. I don't want to scare the kid to death. I'm just looking for help. What I'm going to do is walk off the deck, go around the long end of the house, because that's the direction he's going. And I'm going to come around. And that's when she sees him. They make eye contact. But now she has also seen or knows that whoever the second person is, is there too. Is it possible that Brittany hears the knock from the back? At the front door? Yes. Is that possible? I didn't get that one done when I was there. And I am so frustrated with myself. I'll be back, though. Let's revisit the inquiry. What do you think took place at the teenager's house? Why didn't Brittany try the back door? And what led her to take the path she did to the front of the house? Could she have heard the knocks too? Did the mystery man know that Brittany was at the back of the house? And when she left the teenager's house, which way do you reckon she went? I retraced Brittany's steps when I was in Michigan in June, and I realized that the stark contrast between what I had imagined and what I experienced. In my reenactment, I was accompanied by the canine security for added reassurance in this case of any unfortunate encounters. And it was dusk, not dark like so it was shame. for Brittany. Yeah. You gonna run, you, you're, you're gonna drive? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you gonna follow me? Yeah. Eventually, you'll probably have to wait for me yeah. once you get to the stop sign. It all began at the spot where Sheldon's car was abandoned. All right. Three, two, one, go. I'm dressed in appropriate clothing. I take off. And I make my way to the elderly gentleman's house. Just like Brittany likely did. Google Earth can be very misleading. I didn't think it would be too bad or take too long. Eh, not so much. I underestimated the true length of the run. Are you all good? We're good, we're good, we're good. Someone trying to help. The irony. It took me three minutes. Three minutes to make it to the elderly man's home from the spot the car was in. Now I think about Brittany, with no shoes, no jacket, short sleeves, running in the dark with a heavy fog, potentially frightened. I can only imagine how she felt. If you put yourself in this scenario, how would you feel? After a lot of time to process this night, I really started wondering if Brittany ran this far with no shoes on. The distance is much greater than what you might think, especially in the conditions we know were present. I asked myself, could the rumors of the car being staged be true? Could she have ran this far without shoes? According to Google, 
This would be about a 13 minute walk with an average speed in typical conditions. So what are your thoughts? As hard as it is for me to believe that this car was staged, is that a possibility that we need to consider? But if not, and she did run that far, that brings us to our next topic. If this wasn't a crime, and we lost Brittany due to the weather elements, let's make sense of that for a sec. Because if that's one's theory of why Brittany's not here today, then we should be able to see the obvious locations of where she could be. The places that we should be looking. Hypothermia begins with shivering, a natural body response to cold, which initially can be mild but progressively worsens. The individual may also experience confusion, slurred speech, and lack of coordination. Normal body temperature is around 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Hypothermia sets in when the body temperature drops below 95 degrees. In 32 degree weather, without proper insulation such as shoes, socks, or jacket, hypothermia can develop rapidly. The onset could be within 30 minutes, depending on factors like wind chill, wearing wet clothing, and individual health conditions. As the stages progress, symptoms may include intense shivering, numbness, fatigue, and a weak pulse. In severe cases, shivering stops and the person may become unconscious, eventually leading to the heart, nervous system, and other vital organs not functioning properly. Lack of appropriate clothing significantly increases the risk. Wet conditions accelerate heat loss, as does wind. If we take into consideration what we heard from the medical professional, and we look at what we know about Brittany's clothing, her lack of shoes, and the temperature, it is possible she became the victim of hypothermia. Now that you've considered that, do you think it's possible she was the victim of hypothermia? And is she still out there? I don't know. That's hard for me. The actions of so many others makes me question that possibility. But it is something we have to consider. And if that's something that you believe, consider this. How far could Brittany have traveled before collapsing? Day three. Password changed for a second time on July 7th. It's the morning of the presentation. On, uh, I'm going over notes. She logs in for the Preparing for our own case file presentation to the St. Joe County Sheriff's Office was a monumental task. Countless hours of cross-referencing testimonies and transcribing interviews to make video clips easier to understand with subtitles. The team and I spent months working tirelessly on this case, pouring every ounce of our being into this. We relied on our records, but despite our meticulous preparation, we knew that no amount of record keeping could have sufficiently prepared us for the sheer numbers of names and details involved. What time is it? Uh, 12 minutes, I gotta go. No, you guys are staying. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Break the legs. Yes, yeah. As I made my way to the sheriff's department, Sarah and I pep talked each other over the phone, trying to calm each other's nerves. We put so much time, energy, and effort into this. We want to do right by Brittany. We want to do right by her family. It felt like the weight of the situation hit me in the parking lot. So I prayed. I prayed for Brittany and her family. I prayed for the ability to deliver information we learned in a clear and comprehensive way. 
hoping our work, combined with the work of the detectives, would be enough to provide answers for Brittany's loved ones. On my way into the department, I'm stopped. Hey, it's pretty cool seeing you in person. I'm a fan of your work. I listen to the show. He says he enjoys the podcast. That's not what I expected at all. As we enter the building, he says, I look forward to hearing what you have to share. The fuck does that mean? Finally, in the waiting area, I went over all my equipment one more time just to make sure I had everything I needed for the presentation. Sheriff Bingaman warmly welcomed me during the preparations and expressed gratitude for my journey. To my surprise, he revealed that it wouldn't be just him and Otten in the audience, as there would be additional attendees. I look forward to hearing what you have to share. Ah, that's what he meant. Moments later, I'm escorted through the narrow corridor, appearing confident on the outside while feeling nervous inside. After passing several offices, I finally arrived at the designated conference room on the right. Breathe. Ten individuals were already there. Fuck. With composure, I announced my presence and took a deep breath, prepared to present the results of two challenging years. And so, we begin. The meeting lasted two hours. As I was finishing my interview with Detective Otten, I decided to bring up the lead regarding Skylar. Otten appeared surprised that I was aware of this lead. Since our meeting was coming to an end and I was already halfway out the door, he requested that I come back into the room. I shared the information I had, mentioning that I was looking for Skylar and Person D. To my surprise, Otten asked me not to pursue that lead further. The reason? I'll keep that to myself. When I return to the Airbnb, Ethan, Shane, and Jessica are waiting for me. I'm eager to share how it all went down. Yep. Here we go. I'll the truck. Here we go. Per the usual, Ethan's rolling before I arrive. James, and here we go. James's face. He's got a smile on his face. Go inside, we'll do it all inside, so I'm excited to share. Um, Sarah's gonna dip the on and we'll okay. do it together. Oh. We head inside and get ourselves situated. I get Sarah on the phone. Put in that guy, reason. Yeah. Sarah, what the frick, dude? I told you I was calling you. <laughs> I don't know if that's in the shot or not. <laughs> Definitely in the shot. Definitely. Sarah said, sorry, call you in three minutes. Nova had a panic poop. <laughs> Is that her dog? Or yes. Her yes. What's up? Sarah? Hi. Let's go this way so you can see. What's up? Hi, Jess. Hi, honey. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Good. Okay, so I haven't told him really anything other than it went well. Um, you feel like that too? Okay. I'm ecstatic. Okay, good. So I'll let you tell it this time. Last time I got to tell it, I'll let you tell it. Um, so we presented what we have. 
They listened intently. And there was a room of probably 10. Yep, 10 detectives and a sheriff from LaGrange County. It was a full room. They um, listened intently, took notes. Bingaman took a lot of notes. At the end, they asked for everything. I feel very strongly that they know. That computer, they want that computer. And James asked if they wanted everything on everybody else. And he said, yes, yeah, sure, you can give me that too, but I want all of the stuff on I feel very confident and I think James feels very confident that. Sorry, we gotta keep the rest of it in house. The sheriff of LaGrange County said that James and I should work cold cases for LaGrange County. That's what you call a mic drop moment. After a long day, I had some time to unwind in the car as the guys and I made our trip up north to meet Madison, one of Brittany's younger sisters. How are you? She was incredibly kind and a thoughtful person, and it was clear to me that she carried Britney's spirit. Yeah, yeah. That's good that you guys are, have that open dialogue and you guys are talking, you're close. And she you're... reminds me a lot of my sister, like, and I know I remind her a lot of my sister because we're a lot alike. And um, so when she laughs on the phone, it just sounds just like my really? sister. We sat down to talk, discussing a lot of things, but mostly her feelings surrounding the disappearance of her sister. It's been almost five years now. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's been time to do something. Madison was insightful, and I can tell that this was a painful topic for her. You know, no matter what her past was or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's unfortunate that we've, it's taken this long and this much pressure for them to get over a thousand letters from people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And for them to say, what the hell is going on? All right, yo. Where are you going? We got another trip. A picture. Can I get a picture with you? Let's do over there. Okay. Brittany was shorter than me. Was she? Yeah. What are you, five two? I'm like 5'4". 5'4"? Four. Four? Yeah. Golly, she was small. <laughs> yeah, you're 5'2". Five 5'2". Two. Oh, five five two. So yeah, I was a couple inches taller than her. Jeez, look at that. Jeez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Golly. All right, y'all. We'll get out of your guys' hair and get out of here. Nice to meet you, too. Okay. Do you have my contact info? Yep. Right? Good so, seeing you. Gosh, yeah, good it. seeing you too. I appreciate you. Yeah. I will. Bye. After our visit, I left feeling grateful for the opportunity to meet Madison. She's got that strong Britney vibe for sure. It's been a long day, and I know everyone is tired. The plan is to head back to the Airbnb and get everyone fed. Just as I'm settling into the ride. Yeah. The slow motion stuff doesn't have sound anyway. But yeah. We just need to find a. Shit never goes smoothly. Where, uh, <laughs> and then we'll line it up. <laughs> oh, shit. Shit. Fucking called it. Fucking. Ugh. Ugh. Dude, this place hates me, bro. <laughs> Golly, I even said, I hope we don't hit a deer. Golly, dude. Uh, 
not even surprised anymore. Thankfully, everyone's okay though. I'm not sure about the deer though. More of my plans get pushed, and I spend a little time bonding with the insurance company. The night concludes sitting by the bonfire, and I'm happy to say even the longest days have come to an end. By day four, I know everyone is dragging a little, but we managed to get up and get fuel to make our way out to the property where Eric was seen. Now on our way, I remind myself of Logan's season and the mantra of his high school football team. The mantra kind of became the theme of this season. Never give up. Never, never give up. We're going to give this property one last search this trip. It's still really hot, bugs are plentiful, and the earth under us isn't great for walking on right now. But we continue, and search everything we can while we have optimal morning daylight. I set my sights on the tree. Yeah, I don't think there's anything. What I'm looking for are things that could be used as landmarks, oddities. I think there's anything in there. Things that would be easy to remember if you needed to return to a spot. While we're here, span out, I guess, and if we can't get a little bit more territory just to see if there's any marks like this that he would go to. After we spend a good amount of time searching, we start to wind down. The weather is turning. You guys aren't really prepared for that, And the property owner tells us that this isn't really the optimal time to be searching this particular property. With the weather conditions and the grass being up to my ears, it makes this job really difficult. He does pinpoint a better time of the year for us, and we've recently made plans to return. And this time, I'm coming back prepared more than ever. Never give up. Never, never give up. We head out and make our way back to town. Since Kimmy seems to be the only way I can contact JJ, I take the opportunity to check back in with her. Same, same, trying to get stuff done, running around. Um, our search went on longer than we anticipated, obviously. And so I just wanted to find out, one, if we can, if, if you're able to still to meet tonight, do you guys have anything going on? Um, right now I'm going to um, Bronson with my cousin for a little bit, but I'll be back tonight. What about Jay? Um, Jay's gonna be here. Okay. Is he able to meet tonight? Is he? He said it depends if it's still daylight. Oh, he said it depends daylight. Does he need it to be dark? No, he said it's still daylight, meaning. I had to pull these off earlier, which is a little fucking nigger. Oh. What happened? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Uh, there was a, the police were all. I don't know what's going on. Huh? I can't hear it. Someone's moving on the phone. Um, the police were out in front of our apartment earlier because of um, this guy that JJ had a problem with a few years ago. So we were, he's already a police contact, but he said it just depends on. Um, he said, "Yeah, you guys can meet tonight." Okay. Uh, 
uh, is there a place where we can meet? Because I don't know how late things are open. Things don't really stay open late around here. He said he'll figure it out and he'll let you know. Um, he will have the phone, so um, you'll be able to get hold of him. Okay. JJ and Kimmy claim the police are outside, and that means we'll need to wait until it's dark. I'm only here for a limited time, so I move on and make the drive to visit Greg and Emily and fill them in on the meeting we had with the sheriff's department. It's always good to reconnect with Greg. It's like seeing a little bit of Brittany when I see him. She said it best. She was daddy's girl. There was no doubt there. She gave herself that title more than a few times. Every time I leave Greg and Emily's, I pray the next time I return will be to hug Greg and tell him Brittany's coming home. Throughout the week we've been here, I frequented a specific store in Sturgis, one that I was told someone I'm interested in speaking to frequents. Any chance I could swing by, I do. I stop by at all times of the day. Early morning, late morning, midday, evening, late night. Just in case there's a chance he's hanging out. This is my 10th stop. I buy whatever looks good. All week long. No luck. It's late, and we head back to the Airbnb. Throughout the evening... I frequently check my phone, making sure I don't miss JJ's call or text. It's nearly 10 p.m., and it's dark. I text him. Where can we meet? No response. I wait four hours, and I write him again. I'm still up. Let me know. Another hour. I'm still up. Let me know. And finally... I get a response. It's a thumbs up. I respond, what's that mean? JJ writes back, I didn't mean to send the thumbs up, lol. JJ never had intentions of showing up. I don't really know anymore what his true intentions have been all along. At any rate, I figured this was just more bullshit and games. Exactly what none of us need. If you have information that could help bring a missing person home to their family, then drop the games and show the fuck up. If you have some trick up your sleeve that could put an end to the nightmares that plague Brittany's father, then speak the fuck up. But if you don't, then sit down. Sit the fuck down and sort your shit out on your own time because there's still a large percentage of us that give a fuck about what happened to Brittany. Day five. The last day in town has crept upon us. Today we'll be low-key. We'll make plans to go out to the farm and see Uncle Scott and Grandpa Russ. It's always good to check in with them. I'm always met with a warm welcome when I visit. Except that first time. I wonder why. Hey, Russ. How are you? How are you been? Good. Good to see you. Oh, man. How you been? Not bad. Not bad? Hey, I wanted to say I'm very sorry about Vicky. My heart really goes to you, and, and I'm praying for you guys always, and I'm I'm here for you guys, and I'm, I'm in your corner still, and I'm, Britt and her have each other, and that's yep. my mindset, and I'm, I'm praying, I'm thinking about you. Thank you. 
I visit with Russ for a while, then head down to the barn to see Scott. And to be honest, in a weird way, it's a bit emotional being able to move as freely as I am now. Trust with this family. That's something that's earned. Scott! And nor is it easily given. Yo! Where you at? I'm coming. What's up? What's up? What's up? Ben. Good. How you been, brother? I've been. Yeah? Golly. Hey, it's good to see you. Scott and I can catch up. I give him the rundown on what took place at the sheriff's office. He's chomping at the bit, asking me what he can do to help. All right, brother. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for trusting me. Yeah. And from our first interview and our it's a visit out there to two years later, and we're here still. I, I, I appreciate you allowing me to talk to your boys and trusting me to have that responsibility and take that on. And I appreciate, and I don't take that for granted. So thank you. Okay. Absolutely, brother. All right. I will. It's that time again. Time to head back home. Reflecting on a week of tirelessly searching for Brittany, we had experienced a roller coaster of emotions. There have been moments of hope that kept us going, but also moments of disappointment that tested our resilience. I speak for my team when I say this, both physically and mentally. We have given our all to this visit, and it has taken a toll on us. Every individual on this team plays a crucial role, and without the support and collaboration of one another, my team wouldn't be as strong. We not only work together, but also share moments of camaraderie. This is what truly builds a strong team. Relationships. Feeling like a new family united by a common purpose. The relationships each team member has developed with Brittany's family hold great significance. Spending time with them has not only impacted the team positively, but also allowed us to form a stronger connection to Brittany. You're almost caught up. Would you like to show your support for the Hide and Seek podcast? Find our Instagram and Facebook page by searching Hide and Seek Podcast. Like and follow to hear updates on past seasons as they become available and stay up to date on season three. Find our discussion group by searching Hide and Seek Discussion Group on Facebook. The Hide and Seek Podcast is hosted, directed, edited, and produced by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Nudon's Audio Engineering. Director of Photography is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson. A special thanks to all those involved in our ground team and to our Patreon supporters. Thank you for helping make our investigations possible. For your patience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, bro. You got me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hard to Sink. Okay.
Peace out.